This is the Inspired Mind Podcast. I'm Michelle Scholl. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. There is a great chance if you chose this particular podcast that you are curious to hear and to listen to the book by Florence Scovelshin, The Game of Life and How to Play It. And this summer, I'm going to be recording a couple of the books that I've published, um, the public domain books that I've published through Mango Jane, sharing them right here on Spotify um, through Anchor and any other formats that is streaming live on iHeartRadio, Apple. And um, this book is called The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel Shin, originally written in 1925. So I'm going to read to you the opening chapter of um, what I, um, it's sort of like, I guess it's an introduction to this book and why I wrote it, um, um, why I wrote the introduction, why I published it. And here it goes, okay? And then I will also include the first chapter and I'm just going to keep adding on to this series as it goes on to this uh, one podcast here. So the very first chapter that's added with the Mango Jane Publishing um, version of the game of life and how you play it is entitled Dear Readers, are you living the best life possible you can live from right where you are now? If the answer is no, keep reading or in this instance, keep listening. I hope this classic installment of The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovelshin will be a catalyst to change that will change that answer to a definite yes. The book you are about to hear or read has had a profound effect on my well-being and ability to experience a better day each day. In addition, because of this personal impact, I am launching the Inspired Mind series with Florence Govelshin's first book she published back in 1925, way before the world was ever even familiar with the expression self-help. My hopes with this new version of this book is to help many more individuals benefit from reading or listening, for example, here to Florence Scovel Shin's dynamic philosophy. Miss Shin based her principles on spiritual principles that are tried and true, using examples from biblical scripture as a reference as her foundation for these 10 rules she shares inside the next pages I'm about to read to you. She has inspired many motivational thinkers that have built upon this philosophy many generations after she was even alive. This book contains suggestions we might need to help us through those more challenging times or when we seek guidance. For example, how can we change our life when the going gets rough? How do we recover from heartbreak or disappointment? How do we attract or attain our hopes or our dreams. Inside these pages, or listening right here with me, dearest listener, 
this is a key that might help you unlock that own genius within as Miss Shin shares best right here with you. Easy to read and succinct chapters containing examples of stories inside this small book share suggestions on how anyone can instantly begin a new way of thinking and renew their spirit each day. I have also included some new affirmations between each chapter to help at your everyday living written by Florence Scovel Shin and some of her other writings, plus new illustrations inside this book, which I am now reading to you here. Keep reading and keep listening, dearest listener, and why Miss Shin's teachings inspired an empire of some of the most famous self-help authors in the world today. Thank you for choosing Mango Jane books in the Inspired Mind series. Stay kind and have an inspired mind. Cheers, Michelle Shaw, publisher of Mango Jane Books. So let's go right into the Did You Know, the Inspired Mind series. Anatoted extra feature inside this book for the game of life and how to play it. In the modern woman Florence Scovelshin resonated that persona during the late 1920s until she died in 1940. Her progressive thinking and writings helped many New World leader, leaders and thought leaders define how affirmations and the connection to the power of our thoughts can reshape the very life we are living. Did you know that recent world positive thinking leaders such as Emmett Fox, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, and Louise Hay referred to Florence Scovelshin and her writings and how inspirational her books were to them. Here are their quotes right here, dearest listener. The game of life is filled with wisdom and creative insights that its teachings work, I know, to be a fact. I've long used them myself. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, an American minister and best known for selling millions of copies of the books, The Power of Positive Thinking. Next quote is from Louise Hay. I resonated with her no-nonsense way of writing. Her words just spoke to me, and I became a devout follower of hers, Louise Hay. Louise Hay was the founder of Hay House Books, publishing many world thought leaders like Wayne Dyer, Greg Braden, plus many more. She wrote a book famously entitled, You Can Heal Your Life, selling millions of books. Here is one more example that you can use for yourself and someone else that loved her. His name is Emmett Fox. One secret of her success was she was always herself, colloquial, informal, and humorous. She herself was very spiritual, informal, and found that practical, no-nonsense way about herself in everyday examples. Emmett Fox was an Irish New Thought leader and minister that became very popular in the AA time during the turn of the century. He wrote pamphlets and books, and he wrote a popular one called The Power of Constructive Thinking. So here we go. More interesting facts about who Florence Scovelshin was. 
she um, self-published the game of life and how to play it in 1925 light years away before self-publishing had even become a popular thing born in 1871 in camden new jersey florence's own personal journey led her to study metaphysics which is exact meaning is how our thoughts are connected to the way we live our life and impact our world each day her writings included examples of jesus christ's teaching teachings like bible verse matthew 12 37 by your words ye be justified by your words ye be condemned matthew 12 37 Florence Scovelshin also stated whatever a person feels deeply or images clearly is impressed upon our subconscious mind and carried out into the minutest detail, the subconscious mind, in parentheses, our soul. And we must be saved from it, from that wrong thinking. Did you hear that? Wrong thinking. She connected the science of the mind along with the creating affirmations for her patients as a way to revitalize and uplift their outlook on their life or personal struggles. Florence Scovelshin led by living the example. After her husband divorced her in a time in the 19th um, at the turn of the century, which was not a popular time to be divorced, instead of feeling pity are hiding. She studied metaphysics, which led her to become a counselor as a well offering to many other inspirational individuals, which I already mentioned, plus persons walking the street in the 20s and 30s until 1940, until she died, became a counselor. And she empowered others and established how to create better habits and live happier life by living and creating happier living patterns each day. Her teachings stressed through positive affirmations, biblical scripture, and steering the mind toward positive thinking instead of thinking negatively. Each of us can lead a healthier and happier life. Here's an extra little note for myself. I read this book for the first time, dearest listener, in 1995, and I reread it again in 2014, which inspired me to find deeper roots in finding happiness and examining my own thinking patterns. What I love the most about Florence Scovelshin's book is her knowledge of biblical scripture and the spiritual teachings of the Bible. I love that biblical scripture is the foundation for all of her books, starting with the very first book, The Game of Life and How to Play It, stating what Jesus had stated in Matthew 12, 37. By your words, you shall be justified, or by your words, you shall be condemned. I hope you find as much inspiration from this small book written by a modern-day woman who just happened to be living in an earlier era, era than today. This Mango Jane book edition includes featured affirmations from other writings and also a journal in the back of this book. Dearest listener, you're listening right here. So I encourage you to find a journal, write down your own affirmations. Back to Florence. Florence believed in tried and true 
principles, writing with a tone of confidence that feels like someone you can trust and listen to for sound advice. I have enjoyed researching the game of life and how to play it, plus finding inspirational informations, um, affirmations from her other writings, as well as illustrations that I included inside the paperback book that I am now reading to you, dearest listener, for this summer for the Inspired Mind series with books. What a joy to bring this classic self-help book to life and become inspired again by her magical teachings. Thank you for listening. That is it from my heart to yours. Stay continued right here. Tomorrow I will be reading the first chapter in The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel Shin. I will read to you before I part, dearest listener, the opening quote. There is no competition on the spiritual plane. What is mine is given to me under grace. Florence Scovel Shin. Let that sink in. There is no competition in the spiritual plane. On the spiritual plane, what is mine is given to me and under grace. Florence Scovel Shin. And I am going to just read the very first paragraph of the first chapter, just so you can be ready to hear what's next, dearest listener. Here it is, first chapter, The Game of Life. And in the first chapter is entitled, The Game. Most people consider life a battle, but it is a not a battle, dearest listener. It is a game. It is a game, however, which cannot be played successfully without the knowledge of the spiritual law. And the Old Testament and the New Testament give the rules of the game with wonderful clearness. Jesus Christ taught that it was a great game of giving and receiving. So stay tuned for the next installment of the game of life and how to play it. Stay kind and have an inspired mind. I'm out. Chapter 1. The Game Most people consider life a battle, but it is not a battle. It is a game. However, which cannot be played successfully without the knowledge of spiritual law. And the Old Testament and the New Testament gives the rules of the game with wonderful clearness. Jesus Christ taught that it was a great game of giving and receiving. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he sell also reap. This means that whatever we send out in word and deed will return to us. Whatever we give, we will receive. If we give hate, we will receive hate. If we give love, we will receive love. If we give criticism, we will receive criticism. If we lie, we will be lied to. If we cheat, we will be cheated. We're also taught that Imaging faculty plays a leading part in the game of life. Keep thy heart, in parentheses, or imagination with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverb, Proverbs 4.23 This means exactly what a person images sooner or later externalizes in our affairs. 
I know of a person who feared a certain disease. It was a very rare disease and difficult to get, but this person pictured it continually and read about it until it manifested in their body, and then they died. A distorted imagination was the cause of the death. So we see, to play successfully the game of life, we must train the imaging faculty. A person with imaging faculty trained to imagine only good brings into our lives every righteous desire of our heart, health, wealth, love, friends, perfect self-expression, our highest ideals, The imagination has been called the scissors of the mind, and it is ever cutting, cutting day by day. Pictures that we see sooner or later meets us and our creation in our outer world. To train the imagination successfully, a person must understand the workings of the mind. The Greeks said, in parentheses, know thyself. They There are three departments of the mind, the subconscious, the conscious, and the superconscious. The superconscious is simply power with direction. It is like a steam or an electric boat, electricity. It does what it is directed to do. It has no power or induction. So whatever a person feels deeply or images clearly is impressed into the subconscious carried out into the minutest detail. For example, a woman I know when she was a child made believe she was a widow. She loved to dress up in black clothes and she wore a long veil and people thought she was very clever and amusing. She grew up and married a man whom she was deeply in love with. In short time though, he died and she wore a black For many years, that long, sweeping veil, the picture of herself as a widow was impressed upon her subconscious mind and in due time worked itself out regardless of the havoc it created. The conscious mind has been called the mortal or carnal mind. It is the human mind and sees life as it appears to be. It sees death, sickness, disease, poverty, limitation of every kind. And it impresses that into the subconscious. The superconscious mind is the God mind, capital G, capital M on mind, with each man or woman and in the realm of perfect ideas. In it, the perfect pattern spoken of by Plato, the divine design, for there is a divine design for each of us. There is a place that you are to fill, dearest listener, and no one else can fill. Something you are supposed to do, which no one else can do. There is a perfect picture of this superconscious mind. It usually flashes across this conscious in an unattainable idea, almost as if it's something too good to be true. In reality, in a person's true destiny or destination, it's flashed to us from the infinite intelligence which comes from within us. 
Many people, however, are just ignorant of their true destinies and are striving for things and situations that do not belong to them and would only bring failure or dissatisfaction if attained. For example, a woman came to me, asked for me to speak the word, that she would marry a certain man whom she was deeply in love with. I will call him A. B. She replied that this would be someone she loved very much. So I replied back to her and said this would be a violation of spiritual law, but that I would speak the word for the right man. The divine selection, the man who belonged to her by divine right. I added, if A.B. is the right man, you can't lose him. If he isn't, you will receive the equivalent. She saw A.B. frequently, but no headway was made in their friendship. One evening she called and said, Do you know, for the last week, A.B. hasn't seemed so wonderful to me. And I replied, maybe he's not the divine selection. Another man might be the right one. Soon after that, she met another man and fell in love with them. And he fell in love with her at once. And who said she was his ideal too? In fact, he said all things that she had always wished A.B. would say to her. She remarked, it was just so quite uncanny, really. Soon she was so excited that his love had been returned and that she had lost all interest in the first man. This shows the law of substitution. A right idea was substituted for the wrong one. Therefore, there was no loss or sacrifice involved. Jesus Christ said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. And he said the kingdom was within man, was within us, was within us and a woman. I am, I'm adding that, dearest reader, back then when she wrote this, man was sometimes used at that time for man and woman. So sometimes I'm adding we or our, just to be a little more contemporary in the 20, right, right, 2021 here. So here we go. The kingdom is a realm of right ideas or the divine pattern. And Jesus Christ taught that our words played a leading part in the game of life. By your words, you are justified and by your words, you are condemned. Many people have brought disaster into their own lives through their idle words. For example, a woman once asked me why her life was now one of poverty, of limitation. Formerly, she had someone, she had home, and she was surrounded by beautiful things, and she had often tired of the management of her home and said repeatedly, I am so sick and tired of things. I just wished I lived in a trunk. That would be so much easier. And then she added, soon later, I'm now living in that trunk. She had spoken herself into a trunk. The superconscious mind has no sense of humor, and people often joke of themselves into unhappy experiences. So be careful what you joke about, dearest listener. For example, a woman who had a great ideal to have a great deal of money joked continually about getting ready for the poorhouse. 
In a few years, she was almost destitute, having impressed in the subconscious mind with the picture of lack and limitation. Fortunately, the law works both ways. A situation of lack may be changed to one of plenty. For example, a woman came to me on a hot summer's day for treatment for prosperity. She was worn out, dejected, and discouraged. She said she possessed just $8 in the world. And I said, good, we'll bless the $8 and multiply them as Jesus Christ multiplied the loaves and fishes. For he taught that every man had the power to bless and multiply, to heal and to prosper, prosper, excuse me. She said, wow, what shall I do next? I replied, Follow intuition. Do you have a hunch to do anything or to go anywhere? Intuition means, dearest listener, to be taught from within, to be guided from within. If a person listens to that unerring guide, more wonderful things would come to them. I will deal more with this law in the following chapter. The woman then replied to me, I don't know. I seem to have a hunch to go home. I have just enough money for the the car fare. Her home was a distant, in a distant city and one of lack and limitation. And the reasoning mind would have said, stay in New York. Work and make some money. But I replied, go home. Never, never violate a hunch from within. I spoke the following words for her. Infinite spirit open the way for great abundance for she is irresistible magnet for all that belongs to her divine right. I told her to repeat it continually, continually also. She left for home immediately. In calling on the woman one day, she linked up with an old friend from her family. Through this friend, she received thousands of dollars in the most miraculous way. She has said to me often, tell people about the woman who came to you with $8 and a hunch. There is always plenty on a man's pathway, but it can only be brought into manifestation through desire, faith, and the spoken word. Jesus Christ brought out clearly, a person must make the first move. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and you shall be opened for you. Matthew 7, 7. If the scriptures we read concerning the works of my hands command ye me. Infinite intelligence. God is ready to carry out our smallest and greatest demands. Every desire uttered or expressed is a demand. We are often startled by having a wish suddenly fulfilled. For example... One Easter, having seen many beautiful rose trees in the florist windows, I wished I would receive one, and for an instant saw it mentally being carried into the door. Easter came, and with a beautiful rose tree. I think my friend following day and told her how I just had wanted one, and she replied, I didn't send you a rose tree, I sent you lilies. The man had mixed up the order and sent a rose tree simply because I had started the law in action. I had to have that rose tree. Nothing stands between a man and his highest ideals and every desire of his heart but doubt and fear. So when doubt and fear come in the way for us, wish without worrying 
Instead, every desire will be instantly feared. Every desire will be instantly fulfilled once we give up the fear and the worry. I will explain more later in the following chapter, dearest listener. We're almost done with this chapter. Turning the page. following chapter, the scientific reason for this and fear must be erased from the subconscious and the consciousness. If a man can own only enemy, if a man's only enemy is fear and lack, or a person's only enemy is fear or lack, fear or failure, fear of sickness, fear of loss, fear of insecurity on some plane, Jesus Christ said to us, oh, ye of little faith. Matthew 8:26 Therefore we can see we must substitute faith for fear for fear is only inverted faith it is faith it is faith in evil instead of good have fear have faith the objective of the game of life is to see clearly one's good Did you hear that, dearest listener? Here we go. I'm going to repeat that. The object of the game of life is to see clearly one's good and to obliterate all mental pictures of evil. This must be done by impressing subconscious mind with realization of good. A very brilliant man who has attained great success once told me he had suddenly erased all fear from his consciousness by reading a sign which hung from his room he saw it printed in large letters and this is what it said why worry it probably won't even happen how smart was this person these words were stamped indelibly in his subconscious mind and he is now firm conviction that the only good can come into his life therefore for only good can manifest in the following chapter i will deal with the different methods of impressing the subconscious mind it is man's faithful servant or a person's faithful servant but one must be careful to give the right orders a person must be a silent listener at his side his subconscious mind every thought every word is impressed upon it and carried out in amazing detail it is like a singer making a record on a sensitive disc on a phonographic plate every note every tone of the singer's voice is registered if he coughs while he's singer, it will be registered too. So let us break the old bad records in the subconscious mind, the records of our lives, which we do not wish to keep, and make new and beautiful ones. Speak these words aloud with power and conviction. Are you ready, dearest listener? We are ending this chapter. Wow, what a long read. Here we go. Speak these words, dearest listener. I now smash and demolish every untrue record in my subconscious mind they will return to the dust heap of their native nothingness for they came from my own vain imaginings i now make perfect records through the christ within through jesus christ the records of health wealth love and perfect self-expression this is the square of life the game completed
In the following chapters, I will show how we can change our conditions by changing our words. Any person who does not know the power of the word is so behind times. That is the end of chapter one. Florence Scovel Shin, The Game of Life and How to Play It. And I'm just going to leave you with this quote. It opens the next chapter. Prepare for your good, dearest listener. That's it. I will read the next chapter this week. Chapter 2, The Law of Prosperity. One of the greatest messages to the race through the scriptures is that God is our supply and our release. Through his spoken word, all that belongs to him by divine right. We must, however, have perfect faith in God's spoken word. Isaiah, Isaiah said, My word shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that where it was sent. We know now that words and thoughts are tremendous vibratory force ever molding our body and affairs. A woman came to me in great distress and said she was to be sued on the 15th of the month for $3,000. She knew no way of getting the money and was in great despair. I told her God was her supply and that there is a supply for every demand. So I spoke the word. I gave thanks to the woman that would receive $3,000 at the right time in the right way. I told her she must have perfect faith and her act in her perfect faith. The 15th came, but no money had materialized. She called me on the phone and asked what she was to do. I replied, it is Saturday, so they won't sue you today. Your part is to act rich, thereby showing perfect faith that you will receive the money by Monday. She asked me to join her for lunch to keep up her courage. When I joined her at the restaurant, I said, this is no time to economize. Order the most expensive lunch. Act as if you already have what you have received, the $3,000. All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you have received, you will receive. You must act as if you have already received them. The next morning, she called me on the phone, asked me to stay with her during the day, and I said, no, you are divinely protected, and God is never too late. In the evening, she phoned again, greatly excited, and said, My dear, a miracle has happened. I was sitting in my room this morning when the doorbell rang. I said to the maid, Don't let anyone in. The maid, however, looked out the window and said, It is your cousin with the long white beard. Therefore, I said, Call him back. I would like to see him. He was just turning the corner when he heard the maid's voice, and he came back. He talked with me for about an hour. Just as he was about to leave, he said, By the way, how are your finances? I told him I needed the money, and he said, Why, dear, I will give you the $3,000 the first of the month. I didn't want to tell him that I was going to be sued. What shall I do? I won't receive it if it till the first of the month. I must have it tomorrow. So I said, I will keep on treating I said, spirit is never too late. Give thanks. She has received the money on the invisible plane, and it will manifest on time. The next morning, her cousin called up and said, come to my office this morning, and I will give you the money. 
That afternoon, she had $3,000 to her credit in the bank and wrote the check as rapidly as her excitement would permit. If one asks for success but prepares for failure, he will never get the situation he is prepared for. For example, a man came to me asking to speak the word that a certain debt would be wiped out. I found he'd spent his time planning what he would do to say to the man when he did not pay his bill, therefore neutralizing my words. He should have been seeing himself paying off the debt. We have a wonderful illustration of this in the Bible relating to the three kings who were in the desert without water for their men or horses. They consulted with the prophet Elisha, who gave them this astonishing message and said, Elisha said, Thus said the Lord, Ye shall not see wind, neither ye shall see rain, yet this will make valley full of ditches. Man must prepare for the thing he has asked for. We must prepare for the things we have asked for when there isn't even the slightest sign of it in sight. For example, a woman found it necessary to look for an apartment during the year when there was great shortage of apartments in New York. It was considered almost an impossibility, and her friends were sorry for her and said, it's too bad, isn't it? You have to find a place. You have furniture, but nowhere to live except a hotel. She replied, you needn't feel sorry for me. I'm superwoman, and I will get an apartment. She spoke the words. Infinite spirit opened the way for the right apartment. She knew there was supply for every demand and that she was unconditioned working on the spiritual plane instead. One with God is a majority. She had contemplated buying new blankets when the temper advised her thought and reasoning mind suggested don't buy the blankets perhaps after all you won't get the apartment and you won't have any use for them but she promptly replied to herself I will dig my ditches just like the prophet suggested in the bible Elisha and I will buy the blankets so she prepared for the apartment acting as if she already had it she found one in a miraculous way and it was given to her though there were only 200 other applicants waiting for that apartment. The blankets were her active show in faith. It is needless to say that the ditches were dug by the three kings in the desert were filled with overflowing water. Read Second Kings. Getting into the spiritual swing of things is no easy matter for the average person. The, adverse, the adverse thoughts of doubt and fear surge from the subconscious. They are the army of the aliens who must be put to flight. This explains why it's so often darkest before the dawn. A big demonstration is usually preceded by tormenting thoughts. Having made a statement of high spiritual truth, one challenges the old beliefs in the subconscious and error is exposed to be put out. So speak the word for your dream and speak it loudly and put the error out of your mind. This is the time when one must make affirmations of truth repeatedly, rejoice and give thanks that we have already received. 
Before we call, I shall answer. This means that every good and perfect gift is already waiting for us in our recognition. We can only receive what we see ourselves receiving. The children of Israel were told that they could have all the land they could see. This is true for everyone. We have only the land within our own mental vision, however. Every great work, every big accomplishment has been brought into manifestation through holding the vision. And often just before the big achievement comes apparent failure and discouragement. The children of Israel, when they reached the promised land, they were afraid to go in for they said it was filled with giants who made them feel like grasshoppers. And there we saw giants and we were in our own sight as the sight of grasshoppers. This is almost everyone's experience in life, is it not? However, the one who knows the spiritual law is undisturbed by appearance and rejoices while we are yet in captivity. That is, we hold our vision and give thanks anyway until it is accomplished that we have received it. Jesus Christ gave a wonderful example of this. He said to his disciples, Say not ye, there are not four months, then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are ripe, are ready to harvest. His clear vision pierced the world of matter. And he saw clearly the fourth dimensional world, things as they really are, perfect and complete in the divine mind. So man or we must ever hold our vision for our journey's end and demand the manifestation of that which we have already received. It may be perfect health, love supply, self-expression, home, or maybe new friends. They are all finished and perfect ideas registered in the divine mind, our own superconscious mind, and must come through us and not to him. For example, a man came asking for a treatment for success. It was imperative that he raise within a certain time $50,000 for his business. The time limit was almost up when he came to me in such despair. No one wanted to invest in his enterprise, and the bank had flatly refused a loan. I replied, I suppose you lost your temper while you're at the bank, therefore your power. You can control, if you cannot control any situation, you cannot expect to receive what you're asking. You can control a situation if you can first control yourself. Dearest reader, did you hear that? You can control any situation if you first can control yourself. So Florence Scolshin said, go back to the bank and added, my treatment was you are identified in love with spirit of everyone connected with the bank. Let that divine idea come out of the situation. 
He replied, woman, what are you talking about? This is an impossibility. Tomorrow is Saturday. The bank is closing at 12 and my train won't get there until 10. And time is of limit. Anyway, that won't do. It's too late, he said. I replied, Florence Govelshin, that is, reading her book here for you, dearest listener. God doesn't need any time and it's never too late. With him, all things are possible. I added, I don't know anything about business, but I know all about God. He replied, that sounds fine when you sit here and I listen to you, but when I go out, it is terrible. He lived in a distant city and I did not hear from him for a week. And then a letter came. It read, you were right. I raised the money and I will never doubt the truth of all that you told me again. I saw him a few weeks later and said, what happened? You evidently had plenty of time after all. He replied, my train was late and I got there 15 minutes to 12. I walked into the bank quietly and said, I have come for that loan. And they gave it to me without question. It was the 15 minutes of allotted time to him. An infinite spirit is never too late, dearest listener. In this instance, the man could not, could never demonstrate it alone. He needed someone to help hold the vision. This is what we can do for another. Hold the highest vision of their life in your heart. Hold it dear to your heart and hold on to it, dearest listener, and help them achieve their dream come true. Jesus Christ knew the truth of this when he said, If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. One gets too close to his own affairs and becomes doubtful and fearful. The friend or the healer sees clearly the success health and prosperity and never wavers because he or she is not too close to the situation. It is much easier to demonstrate for someone else than for oneself. So a person should not hesitate to ask for help if we are wavering. A keen observer of life once said, no one can fail if another person sees them successful, such is the power of the vision. And many of great man owed his success to a wife or a sister or a friend who believed in them and held without a wavering to the perfect pattern of their life and that vision and that dream. They held it close to their heart and that person succeeded also. Dearest listener, thanks to that person that held on to the dream and did not give up on them. Those last few words were added to that chapter from my own heart to yours. I hope you have a great day. That was the law of prosperity. Chapter two, game of life. Looking forward to reading again later on this week, the next chapter in the game of life and how to play it. Chapter three, the power of your word will be next. Take care, be kind, and have an inspired mind. I'm out. The Power of the Word, Chapter 3, The Game of Life and How to Play It. 
A person knowing the power of the word becomes very careful of their conversation. We only have to watch the reaction of our words to know that they do not return void. Through our spoken word, we continually make laws for ourselves. I know a person who said, I always miss a car. It invariably pulls out just as I arrive. His daughter said, I always catch a car and it's sure to come just as I get there. This occurred for years. Each had made a separate law for themselves, one for failure and one for success. This is the psychology of superstitions. The horseshoe or rabbit's foot contains no power. However, a person's spoken word and belief in it will bring good luck and creates expectancy in the subconscious mind and attracts a lucky situation. I find, however, this will not work when a person has advanced spiritually and knows a higher law. One cannot turn back. One must put away graven images. For example, two men in my class had a great success in business for several months when suddenly everything went to smash. We tried to analyze the situation and I found instead of making their affirmations and looking to God for success and prosperity, they had each bought a lucky monkey. I said, oh, I see you have been trusting in the lucky monkeys instead of God. Put away the lucky monkeys and call on the law of forgiveness and man and Excuse me, and for man has the power to forgive, or we have the power to neutralize our mistakes. They decided to throw away their lucky monkeys down a, a coal hole, and all went well again. This does not mean, however, that one should throw away every lucky ornament or horseshoe in the house, but we must recognize that the power of its behind is only the power of our thoughts and what we think, and that God, and that this object simply gives them a feeling of expectancy of what they're already hoping to happen. I was with a friend one day who was in deep despair, and crossing the street, she picked up a horseshoe. Immediately, she was filled with joy and, and hope. She said God had sent her this horseshoe in order to keep up her courage. It was indeed at that moment about the only thing that could have registered in her consciousness. Her hope became faith, and she ultimately made a wonderful demonstration. I wish to make the point clear that persons and individuals previously mentioned here were depending on the monkeys alone. Now, this woman recognized the power behind what it was about and behind the back of the horseshoe. I know in my own case, it took a long while to get out of the belief that a certain thing brought certain disappointment. If the thing happened, a disappointment invariably followed. I found the only way I could change in the subconscious was by asserting there are not two powers, there is only one power. God Therefore, there are not disappointments, and thing means a happy surprise, and this thing means a happy surprise.
So here that phrase is again, it's very important that we hear it properly. There are not two powers. There is only one power, God. Therefore, there are not disappointments. And this means a happy surprise. I noticed a change at once and happy surprises commence coming my way turning the page, page 42. I have a friend who said nothing could induce her to walk under a ladder. And I said, if you are afraid, you are giving in a belief into two powers and good and evil instead of just one. As God is absolute, there can be no opposing power unless man or a person makes his false of evil for himself to show you believe in only one power of God and that there is no power or reality in evil and walking under the next ladder you see please walk under it soon after she went to the bank she wished to open her box in the safe deposit vault and there stood a ladder in her pathway she said it was impossible to reach the box without passing under the ladder she quailed with fear and turned back she could not face the lion on her pathway however when she reached the street my words rang in her ears and she decided to return and walk under it It was a big moment in her life, for ladders had held her in bondage for years. She retraced her steps to the vault, and the ladder was no longer there. This so often happens. If one is willing to do the thing that we are afraid to do, we will not have to do it. It is the law of non-resistance, which is so little understood. Someone has said that the courage contains genius and magic. Face a situation fearlessly, and there is no situation to face. It falls away of its own weight. The exclamation, the explanation in the fear attracted the ladder on the woman's pathway, and fearlessness removed it. Thus, the invisible forces are ever working for a man who is always pulling the strings himself, though he does not know it, she does not know it. Owing to the vibratory power of the words, whenever we choose our voice, we begin to attract. People who continually speak of disease invariably attract it without knowing it. Often, a person knows the truth. We cannot be too careful of our words. For example, I have a friend who often says on the phone, do come to see me and have an old-fashioned chat. This old-fashioned chat means an hour of about 5,000 destructive words, the principal topics being loss, lack, and failure, and sickness. And I replay, oh, no thank you. I've had enough old-fashioned chats to last In my lifetime, they are too expensive, but I will be glad to have a new fashion chat with you and talk about what we want and not what we don't want. There's an old saying that a person dares use their words for three purposes, to heal, bless, or prosper. The person says others will be said of him, and whatever we say or wish for another will be wished for ourselves. Curses like chickens come home to roost. 
If a person wishes someone bad luck, we are sure to attract it ourselves. If we wish to aid someone to success, we are wishing and aiding ourselves into success. The body may be renewed and transformed through the spoken word and clear vision. And disease is completely wiped out of the consciousness. The metaphysician knows that all disease has a mental correspondence. And in order to heal our body, one must first heal our soul. The soul is the subconscious mind, and it must be saved from wrong thinking. In the 23rd Psalm, we read, He restoreth my soul. This means that the subconscious mind or soul must be restored with right ideas or The mystical marriage is the marriage of the soul and the spirit and or the subconscious and the superconscious mind. They must become one. When the subconscious mind is flooded with perfect ideas of the superconscious, God and we are one. I and the Father are one. This is, he is one with the realm of perfect ideas and we ourselves are made in God's likeness and image in parentheses imagination and is given the power and dominion over all created things our minds our body and affairs it is safe to say that all sickness and unhappiness come from this violation of the law of love a new commandment I give unto you, love one another and in the game of life love or good will take every trick. For example, I know a woman had for years appearance of a terrible sickness on her skin. It was a disease. The doctors told her it was incurable. She was in despair. She was on stage and she feared she would soon have to give up her profession and she had no other means of support. She, however, procured a good engagement, and an opening night made a great hit. She received flattering notices from the critics and was joyful and elated. The next day, she received a notice of dismissal. A man in the cast had been jealous of her success and caused her to be sent away. Ooh, she felt such jealous and hatred, and it, and it was taking complete hold of her, and she cried out, Oh, God, please don't let me hate that man. That night she worked for hours in silence. She said, I soon came into a very deep silence. I seemed to be at peace with myself and with the person and with that man and the whole world. I continued to do this for the following two nights. And on the third day, I found I was completely healed of the skin disease as well. In asking for love and goodwill, she had fulfilled the law for fulfilling the law. And the disease, which came from her resentment and was inside, deeply rooted in her subconscious, was wiped out. Continual criticism produces rheumatism, as critical and harmonious thoughts cause unnatural deposits in the blood which settle in the joints. False growths are caused by jealousy and hatred, unforgiveness, fear, etc. Every disease is caused by a mind not at ease. I said once in clearness, this is not use 
asking anyone, what's the matter with you? If we might just ask, who's the matter with you? Did you hear that? Who is the matter with you? Unforgiveness is the most prolific cause of disease. It will harden the arteries, our liver, and affect our eyesight. It trains, and the endless ills just keep coming. I called on a woman one day who said she was ill from having eaten a poison oyster, and I replied, oh, the oyster was harmless. You poisoned the oyster. What's the matter with you? And she said, oh, about 19 people. She had quarreled with 19 people and then became so inharmonious that she attracted the wrong oyster. Any inharmony on the external indicates there is mental inharmony. So as within, so without. Man or a woman, or ourselves, however you want to say it. She always says man. It's from a different period, okay? 1925. Man, only enemies are within ourselves. And a person forces, and a person's foes shall be they or his own household. Personality is one of the last enemies to overcome as this planet is taking its initiative in love. It was Christ's message, peace on earth, good will towards all men and women. The enlightened person, therefore, endeavors to perfect themselves upon their neighbor. We work with ourselves to send out goodwill, blessings to each person. And the marvelous thing is that if one blesses another, no one has power to harm us or them. Did you hear that? If one person blesses another, no one has power to harm us. For example, here is another story. A man came to me asking to treat for success in business. He was selling machinery and rival appeared on the scene with what he proclaimed was a better machine and my friend feared defeat. I said, first of all, we must wipe out all of that fear. Know that God protects your interests and that the divine idea must come out of the situation. That is, the right machine will be sold by the right man to the right man. I added, don't hold one critical thought towards that man. Bless him all day and be willing not to sell your machine if it isn't the divine idea, you will know. So he went to the meeting and fearlessly, and he was non-resistant, and the blessing the other man, just as suggested. He said the outcome was very remarkable. The other man's machine refused to work, and he sold his without the slightest difficulty. And here is a verse to back it up right from the Bible. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. And do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which spitefully use you and persecute you. Matthew 5.44 Goodwill produces great aura of protection about one who sends it. No weapons that is formed against him shall prosper. In other words, love and good will destroy the enemies with oneself. Therefore, one has no enemies on the external. There is peace on earth for us who sends goodwill to others. That is the end of the chapter.
Chapter 4, The Law of Non-Resistance Nothing on earth can resist an absolutely non-resistant person. The Chinese say that water is the most powerful element because it is perfectly non-resistant. It can wear away a rock and sweep all before it. Jesus Christ said, Resist not evil, for he knew in reality there is no evil. There is nothing to resist. Evil has become man's vain imagination or a person's vain imagination or a belief in two powers, good and evil. There is an old legend that Adam and Eve ate the Maya of oh. tree of illusion and saw two powers instead of one power, God. Therefore, evil is a false law man has made for himself through psychoma or soul sleep. Soul sleep means that man's or a person's soul has been hypnotized by the race belief of sin, sickness, and death, which is carnal or mortal thought, and our affairs have outpictured these illusions. We have read in the preceding chapter that a person's soul is our subconscious mind, and whatever we feel deeply good or bad is pictured out by that faithful servant. Our body, our affair, our affairs show forth what we have been picturing. The sick man has pictured sickness, the poor man poverty, the rich man wealth. People often say, why does a little child attract illness when it is too young to even know what it means? I answer that children are sensitive and receptive to the thoughts of others about them and often outpicture the fears of their parents. I heard a metaphysician once say, if you do not run your subconscious mind yourself, someone else will run it for you. Mothers often unconsciously attract illness and disaster to their own children by continually holding on to thoughts of fear and watching for those symptoms. For example, a friend asked a woman if her little girl had the measles, and she replied, replied promptly, not yet. This implied that she was expecting the illness and therefore preparing the way for what she did not want for herself and child. However, the person who is centered and established in right thinking, the person who sends out only goodwill to their fellow human being, or who is without fear, cannot be touched or influenced by negative thoughts of others. In fact, we could then receive only good thoughts, for we ourselves send forth only those same thoughts. Resistance is hell, for it places a person in a state of torment. A metaphysician once gave me a wonderful recipe for taking every trick in the game of life. It is the acme of non-resistance. He gave it in this way. At one time in my life, I baptized children, and of course, they had many names. Now I no longer baptize children 
but I also baptize events. I give every event the same name. If I have failure, I baptize it in success in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. In this, we see the great law of transmutation founded on non-resistance. Through his spoken word, every failure was transmuted into success. For example, a woman who required money and knew the spiritual law of opulence was thrown continually in the business way with the man who made her feel very poor. He talked lack and lamentation, and she commenced to catch his poverty thoughts, so she disliked him and blamed him for her failure. She knew in order to demonstrate her supply, she must first feel she had received a feeling of opulence must precede the manifestation. It dawned on her one day that she was resisting the situation and seen two powers instead of one. So she blessed this man and baptized the situation. Success, she affirmed, as there is only one power of God. And this man is here for my good and my prosperity. Just what he did not seem to be there for. Soon after that, she met through this man, a woman who gave her services, rendered several thousands of dollars, and the man moved to a distant city and faded harmoniously from her life. Make that statement. Every person is a golden link in the chain of my good. Once again, let's say that. Every person is a golden link in the chain of my good for all persons are God in manifestation awaiting the opportunity given by the person himself to serve the divine plan for our lives bless your enemy and you rob them of their ammunition their arrows will be transmuted into blessings this law is true of nations as well as individuals. Bless a nation, send love and goodwill to every inhabitant, and it's robbed of the power to harm. Man can only get the right idea of non-resistance through spiritual understanding. My students have often said, I don't want to be a doormat. I reply, when you use non-resistance for wisdom, no one will ever be able to walk over you. Another example, one day I was impatiently awaiting an important telephone call. I resisted every call that came in and made no outgoing calls myself, reasoning that it might interfere with the one I was awaiting. Instead of saying, Divine ideas never conflict. The call will come at the right time, leaving it to infinite intelligence to arrange. I commenced to manage things myself. I made the battle mine, not God's, and remained tense and anxious. The bell did not ring for about one hour. I glanced at the phone and found the receiver had been off that length of time, and the phone was disconnected. My anxiety and fear, belief in interference had brought on a total eclipse of the telephone. Realizing what I had done, I commenced blessing the situation at once. I baptized success and affirmed, I cannot lose any calls that belong to me in the divine right. I am under grace and not under law. 
She entered into a crowded grocery, but the proprietor left his messages and the attendant to call himself. The friend rushed out to the nearest telephone, notifying the company to reconnect. My phone was connected at once. Two minutes later, I received that important call, and about an hour afterward, the one I had been awaiting. One, one ship's come in over a calm sea. Once again, let's say that. One's ship's come in over a calm sea. So long as a person resists a situation, we will have it with them. If he runs or she runs away from it, it will run after them. For example, I repeated this to a woman one day and she replied, How true it is, how true that is. I was unhappy at home. I disliked my mother who was critical and domineering. So I ran away and I was married. But I married my mother for my husband was exactly like my mother. And I had the same situation to face again. Agree with thine adversity I agree with thine adversary quickly, reader. This means agree that the adverse situation is good, be undisturbed by it, and it falls away on its own weight. None of these things move me is a wonderful affirmation. The inharmonious situation comes from some harmony within a person themselves. When there is in us no emotional response to an inharmonious situation, it fades away forever from our pathway. So we see a person's work is ever with themselves. People have said to me, give treatments to change my husband or my brother. And I reply, no, I will give treatments to change you. When you change, your husband and your brother will change one of my students was in a habit of lying. I told her it was a failure method, and if she lied, she would be lied to. She replied, I don't care. I can't possibly get along without lying. One day, she was speaking on the phone to a man with whom she was very much in love. She turned to me and said, I don't trust him. I know he's lying to me. I replied, well, you lie yourself. So someone has to lie to you, and you will be sure it will be just the person you want the truth from. Sometime after that, I saw her and said, I am cured of lying. I questioned, what cured you? She replied, I have been living with a woman who lied worse than I did. One is often cured of their own faults by seeing them in others. Like a mirror, life is a mirror, and we find only ourselves reflected in our associates. Living in the past is a failure method and a violation, a violation of spiritual law. Jesus Christ said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Lot's wife looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt. The robbers of time are the past and the future. A person should bless the past and forget it. If it keeps them in bondage, bless the future, knowing it has store for us endless joys, but live fully in the now. For example, another woman came to me complaining that she had no money which to buy gifts for Christmas. 
She said, last year was so different. I had plenty of money and I gave lovely presents. And this year I scarcely have a cent. I replied, you will never demonstrate money while you are pathetic and live in the past. Live fully in the now and get ready to give Christmas presents. Dig your ditches and the money will come. She twined, Christmas seals the wrapping paper. I replied, do that and the presents will come and stick themselves to the Christmas seals. This too was showing financial fearlessness and faith in God. As she reasoning mind said, keep every cent you have. You are not sure you will get any more. She still bought the, the seals and the paper and the twine. And a few days before Christmas, received a gift of several hundred dollars. Buying the seals and the twine had impressed the subconscious with expectancy and opened the way for manifestation of the money. She purchased all of the presents with plenty of time. A person must live suspended in the moment. Once again, a person, a man or a woman, should live suspended in the moment of the now. Look well, therefore, to this day, such is the salvation, salutation of the dawn. Let's say that one more time. Look well, therefore, to this day, such is the salutation of the dawn. We must be spiritually alert ever awaiting the leads, taking advantage of every opportunity. One day I said continually, infinite spirit, don't let me miss a trick. And something very important was told to me that evening. It was the most necessary to begin the day with the right words. Make an affirmation immediately upon waking. waking. For example, here is one to, rem to remember or to memorize. Here is the example, dearest listener. Thy will be done this day. Today is a day of completion. I give thanks for this perfect day. Miracle shall follow miracle and wonders shall never cease. Make this a habit. Wonders shall never cease is the end of that. Once again, dearest listener, here is that affirmation to memorize. We are back. Thy will be done this day. Today is a day of completion. I give thanks for this perfect day. Miracle shall follow miracle and wonders shall never cease. And that's the affirmation to memorize. Make this a habit and one will see wonders and miracles come into their lives. One morning I picked up bread I picked up a book and read, excuse me, I picked up a book and read, look with wonder at that which is before you. It seemed to be a message for that day. So I repeated again and again, look with wonder at which is before you. And about noon, I kid you not, dearest listener, a large sum of money came for Florence Scoville Shin and it was given to her. One more page. Let's turn the page here which I had desired for a certain purpose. In the following chapter, Florence writes, I will give affirmations that I have found most effective. However, one should never use an affirmation unless it's absolutely satisfying and convincing to their own consciousness. And often an affirmation is changed to suit different people. For example, the following has brought success to many. Here are the examples. 
I have work. I have wonderful work in a wonderful way. I give wonderful service for wonderful pay. The next one is, I give the first two lines to one of my students and she added the last two, which once again was, I have wonderful work in a wonderful way. I give wonderful service for wonderful pay. It made the most powerful statement as there should always be a perfect payment for a perfect service. A rhyme sinks easily in the subconscious. She went about singing it loud and soon did receive wonderful work in a wonderful way and gave wonderful service and a wonderful pay. Another student, a businessman, took it and changed the word work to business. He repeated, I have wonderful business in a wonderful way. I give wonderful service for wonderful pay. That afternoon, he made $41,000 deal. Though there had been no activity in his affairs for months, every affirmation must be carefully worded and completely cover the ground. Another example, I knew a woman who was in great need and made a demand for work. She received a great deal of work but was never paid anything. She now knows to add wonderful service and for a wonderful pay. It is a person's divine right to have plenty, more than enough. His barn shall be full and his cup should flow over. This is God's idea for us. When we break down the barriers of lack of our own consciousness, the golden age will be ours, and every righteous desire of our heart shall be filled, shall be fulfilled. End of chapter four. The law of non-resistance.